está ocurriendo en la Tierra, por el amor de Dios? What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? A small magnet with those words on a church organ caught my eyes years ago when I was a boy. And the words written on it have stayed with me ever since. It wasn't just a humorous play on words, but it's a lingering question that should motivate all of us to expect great things from God while attempting great things for God. I'm your host, Phil, an ordinary guy living with his family in South Africa. And one of my heroes is Barnabas, an ordinary guy from Cyprus, the son of encouragement, as he was called. My family and I love the work we do here in South Africa and to the people God led us to love and learn from. And my desire through this podcast is simply to encourage others laboring around the world, reaching people I cannot reach with creative methods or unusual skills far different than mine, to simply reach out in a casual way through conversations, highlighting their efforts and lives to you who listen in, so you might learn more about the work going on for God in so many different and unusual ways. It might be educational, entertaining, or even edgy, but it is all for the glory of God. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Let's find out the answer to that question with our guest today. It's my pleasure to talk with a friend, uh, Brianna Liu. Brianna's coming to us tonight, her night, from Beijing. It's hot and humid and sultry here in Southern Africa. There, I'm assuming it's the other direction. Um, just before we went on air, she shared a really cool video of a bike ride home under some beautiful, beautiful lights, tens of thousands of lights strung along a boulevard. And so we've got to start our talk today by just saying, what is going on with that? What are they celebrating where you are? First of all, I would really like to thank Dr. Golson for this opportunity to talk on his channel. This is quite an exciting moment in my life. Yes, I live in Beijing and um, I was driving home well, on my bike and um, there are lots of lights out because today is the the day before Chunjie, which is their spring festival. So in China, they don't celebrate Christmas, but they do celebrate this spring festival that happens on the lunar calendar, the first lunar calendar of the year. They are celebrating the year of the ox. <laughs> starting tomorrow night. There's a big time change, and um, right now it's, it's about 8 o'clock where I am, so that's over a 13-hour difference back home in um, Florida. And who do you have with so, you in China? Who's there with you as family? I am married to a Chinese guy, and so I live in Beijing with him, and his parents are also uh, in a smaller town about two hours away called Tianjin. So his grandma is here, and um, that's where we had dinner tonight. <laughs> there were, yeah, five of us for dinner. Wow. And mm. how long have you been over there? The first time I visited was back in 2015, and I got married here in Beijing. And I have lived in China for about, I mean, it's been on and off. I mean, the first year I was married, I lived here, and then we moved back to America, and then we came back, back and forth a couple times, and now we're here. We've been here since 2017. 
And what is it that so, you're currently doing there, um, which will be a lot of our conversation, but um, I actually want to bookend not only what you're doing there now, but I'd love to even just hear the, the journey and how you got from mm-hmm. growing up in sort of, you know, central western Florida to right. being a, a teacher um, using technology in, in China. So what is it that you're doing now? It's a really cool story. I am currently a ESL teacher, been working with several different companies, uh, mainly in technology. So using technology to teach English. And so um, I started out with the curriculum and development at a a local company here in Beijing. And then um, they couldn't offer me the work visa. So I had to go to another company who did offer me a great visa. And so because in order to work here in China, you need to have a visa. So um, they said they would. That's a big problem with a lot of foreigners here. They really need to have a great company who can support them with the work visa. And so I've mainly been working with technology and curriculum development and then teaching one-on-one or I've had up to a couple hundred students at a time one time. (laughs) Yeah. So it could be live teaching or recorded. It just kind of depends on the project. And again, we're talking virtual environment where you're not sitting in the same classroom with them, but it's distance education. Is that correct? Right. That's, it's really exciting. I mean, the first experience I had working virtually was with VIP Kid, which is a very popular platform in America. So I became, that was when I first became like a teacher online and I loved it. I thought it was so cool and there's a lot of flexibility and I was teaching these really cute kids that you can see and they're just so little and exciting and And then I really wanted to focus on that aspect of being an educator online. So that's why I chose um, the companies that I work, have worked with. And so, yeah, it's really exciting. You know, you mentioned that particular company. They also have teachers even here in the small coastal village town um, that I live here in South Africa. I've got friends that actually teach virtually um, in that fashion, and it's been pretty revolutionary um, to do that. But yes. um, what was your uh, journey like? I, 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 you've been now in China teaching for several years. Um, I know that one of the things you'd love to do soon is to improve and to go on and get a master's degree. Um, you're looking at schools mm. back in the U.S. Uh, potentially for that. But describe just briefly where you grew up, what was your family like, and would you have had any idea then that you would end up where you are now? Wow. No, (laughs) this is quite the colorful lifestyle I have. I mean, I mean, I grew up in really small town kind of family with lots of kids and we were homeschooled. And so I did have some understanding. I did take some classes that were online in my high school at a community college. And then um, I ended up going to Clearwater Christian College for my bachelor's degree in Dr. Golson. That's where I met you. And you've been a great mentor and inspired me so much. And um, so I have that education degree and the music education degree. So that really gave me the tools that I needed to be a, a teacher and educator here in China. But I had no idea I would be coming here Um <laughs> Because when I met my husband, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated, but um, my parents met him when they 
visited China on a business trip. They visited China and he was their translator for the business trip. And he was a student at the time and he was in his senior year of college and he made such an impression on the group and he really made such an impression and they found out that he was a, a new Christian and they the team that my parents were with, they all supported him to visit their families in Florida over the summer. So he graduated and visited my family and a bunch of other families in that summer. And that's when I first met him. And at the time I was kind of against it, but <laughs> because my parents came back and they were just, you know, gushing about this bright young man that they had met and so when he visited us in Florida, I was actually trying to stay away from my family at the time because I knew he would be visiting and I knew my parents wanted us to, to meet. And so I tried to get a job over the summer. So we met and um, he was a great guy and we exchanged social media apps like contacts. There's a media app that they use here called WeChat. And so we, um, that's how we, that's how we communicated for the next couple years. And at that point, after I graduated with my bachelor's, we were definitely serious at the time. And so I was ready to go to China and start teaching, yes, English, but, um, that door didn't open. And so my husband ended up coming to Florida again and that's when he really met my family, my church, and all my friends. And um, over that summer, he ended up proposing to me on um, New Year's Eve. And so that's when I first went to China. But I had no idea I would be a teacher until quite later, because when I first came to China, I was really shy, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so um, it wasn't until I became an, a teacher on VIP Kid that I started to really branch out and feel more confident in teaching online. For anyone that has live has lived abroad and and has made that big move abroad, you know, there's obviously something we call culture shock, which is just learning, you know, the similarities and or maybe some of the big differences between where you grew up and then where you find yourself now. What are some of the, the big sort of um, differences that you found in your new life in China? And, and even then, what are some of the similarities? Are there things that, um, that are shared by society or the people um, where you've come from there in Florida and then where you find yourself now in Beijing? Hmm. Well, I think the biggest similarity is everyone's pretty much really nice. Like, the average person is so nice and so welcoming and so sharing and, and giving. And it's really, really similar to how my friends and family are back home. And so that's very exciting. And I have a lot of really good friends here. We're very close. And so that's very welcome. And so I feel very welcome. I feel very safe here. And um, now the differences, <laughs> I mean, speaking English is still quite rare here. So I guess the biggest shock was I couldn't speak any Chinese at the time. And so it was very difficult for me to just go outside because <laughs> I'm really shy. And for the first several months, I just was kind of going through the motions. But my husband and I went to a, a local gathering. And so 
that's really the only time I went out was to go to church. And so we had really good friends there and they helped me a lot with the Chinese language and just, um, yeah, just becoming more confident. <laughs> and they really helped me a lot. What are some of the yeah. things I, I always have a series of questions that I love to ask in these podcasts and, and they come in different times, but I, this must be a, a tremendous time to ask this question, but what does fun look like for somebody like you or, or an American with your husband in China? What does fun look like? What do you do? Well, there's a lot to do over here. I mean, there's all kinds of museums and, and, and malls and parks and things. I've been to the Forbidden City so many times because every time I go, it's just so exciting. And I'm so in awe. I just have no no words to say like how I feel when I go inside something so old and it's just really exciting and um but usually I go there for Christmas that's my tradition if I spend Christmas in China our tradition is cinnamon rolls for breakfast and <laughs> the forbidden city during the rest of the day <laughs> but um usually on the weekends or Whenever I have some free time, I'll visit my friends um, and we'll go to a nice mall or get our nails done, <laughs> something just girly. I would imagine that you are often reminded of just how many people live there, the, you know, the population and the number of folks when you go someplace, um, how big the country is. You know, I'm, I'm sure those reminders are pretty stunning when that happens. Yeah, it is so busy here. I mean, there are so many people. I mean, I visited a friend of mine actually today. Um, she works in VIP Kid headquarters. And so it was really cool to talk with her today. And we finished our conversation around um, 4.30. And the subway, people were just teeming. Like, like it was a huge... It looked like a huge waterfall of people were just entering the subway and um, it's exciting and so overwhelming. There's just people everywhere. I mean, one of the, one of our apartment buildings, we did the math cause there were about, um, there were about 10 buildings in our complex and we did the math and there's about 10,000 people in just one, one neighborhood. And That's like, it's just a lot of people. <laughs> that adjusts even the way you do life with public transport and buses or, or walking places. I'm sure it's a, a very different sort of scenario than, than, you know, that area there uh, north of Tampa where you grew up. Right. I mean, where I grew up, there's cows and, and birds and like, there's, I mean, there's a lot of grass everywhere and everything. And here it's just concrete. <laughs> wow. It's just really, really busy here. What are some of the questions that you wish people would ask you about your life there? You know, I know that with our life in Africa and, and with your travels elsewhere and your experience there, um, there are some things that you wish people would ask you about. But but give me a few that it's fun to talk about or or that you wish you could maybe explain more fully when, when people say, well, how's China? Or, you know, you like the food or I've had Chinese food. You know, what are some of the things you wish they'd be asking you? Um, that's a really good question. And actually, I, that's a really difficult question, though, for me, because I just don't mind. 
I guess I'm really patient, but I don't mind answering anything. <laughs> um, something like, um, yeah, the language, how's the language going on or any kind of wisdom is better than I think a question. Sure. <laughs> yeah. What is something that you wish people would ask you? Um, I think for us here, you know, that is to understand that, you know, Africa has dozens of countries. We're not close in many respects to other places. Um, I, you know, I wish that they would seem to have read more about where I am and understand uh, maybe how hard time sometimes things are or the level of loneliness. Um, sometimes, you yeah. know, how seldom we actually hear from loved ones or, or from friends um, when people think, well, yeah. social media takes care of a lot of that. And so you must be, you must feel like you're always in touch and we're not. Um, we have gotten right. maybe one written letter a year, you know, a year oh, since we've been here. Yeah. Um, and yeah. That's something that's folksy and personal and, you know, a gossipy yeah. in, in the best possible sense. And I, I wish people would ask that, like, really, how how much do you have people in your life from where you grew up and mm -hmm. you know, the, the place you used to call home? I think that's when you just start getting honest. Yeah, I totally agree. Just being making that connection. I know a lot of people back home ask my mom how I'm doing, but I I do we're, we're those people were friends on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> I think it's just making the connection definitely, you know, makes me feel special, remembered, like supportive. Yeah. 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 And I think even calls. See, that was one of the things that was the genesis of this podcast was just reaching out and giving friends and, and those that I have come into contact with before uh, a voice, a chance just to share and compare notes and and sometimes vent a little yeah. and sometimes complain a little and sometimes bring up controversial topics like when you don't hear from your home Hi. church for a long time or when you don't hear from people that you thought you were good friends with at some chapter of your life, you know, to realize that a lot of people yes. have moved on. And oftentimes social media is your lifeline back to how people yeah. are doing, what's going on in the U S the elections, sports, you know, um, weather events, who's married, who's died, who's had children. You know, that is definitely right. a, a big time lifeline. I guess that leads me then to another question I want to ask you. And that is, how did your upbringing, you know, as a family, and, and you mentioned homeschooling, but um, what was mm -hmm. that, what were some of the strengths growing up that really put you in a good place to be as adventuresome as you are now, living with your husband in a foreign country to you, a massive sprawl of a city, one of the world powers, you know, what do you credit growing up that got you ready and, and, and got you toughened up and, and uh, able to do what you do now? Well, toughening up is still a uphill battle. <laughs> but um but I'm really grateful for um well, I mean America's a leading country. So growing up in a place like that, it's just honestly such a privilege and um I really took it for granted until until coming here. So um I think being a homeschooler, I learned very quickly to be an independent learner. And that is something that I'm trying to teach uh, my students to be currently because um, it's so much easier. I, when I'm kind of uh, responsible for myself, then I can make sure 
deadlines are made and, you know, it's less of a burden in terms of like working uh, when, when I know I can do it without relying on someone. And that's another thing, just being here, you know, being away from everybody and my lo- my family was so large and we had quite the close nucleus <laughs> of um, support and moving out here. I really have, I guess I've really gotten a lot stronger in my relationship with the Lord. I've come to rely on him more directly than having my parents being there or having my church back at home having like that influence you know over me i've i've really come to terms with with my relationship with the lord and um i think i've changed a lot <laughs> i've definitely changed um so it's it's really good though and i, I think it's a very healthy thing to bring up these like con- constructive challenging questions and criticisms. I think this podcast is really a great example and opportunity for that. And it's wonderful that you can share that journey with a believing husband who um, has spent time with your family and does and has seen, um, you know, the fact that of how you guys grew up and the manner you grew up in the church and, you know, the fact that your dad and his corporate life with Chick-fil-A and just the, the manner in which you blossomed then I think makes such a huge difference when he brings you now onto into his native soil, his land, his his place, and is able to walk that yeah. walk with you. Absolutely. He's he's really been supportive. When my family first when my parent when parents met him first, and like you said, my dad's an operator at Chick-fil-A, so uh that was the business trip that they that my mom and he and some other um, operators went to Beijing and Tianjin and that's where they met him. And, um, he was a brand new Christian at the time and he had gone to America once. Um, so he had been there with his spiritual grandma and grandpa and their home is in California. So he went to California, um, that Christmas before my parents met him. And, um, so when he visited me, he, he, we celebrated his first year of being a Christian together. So that was really special. And, um, so he's been, I guess, growing spiritually as much as I've been growing culturally, (laughs) but he's very supportive and he's always, um, encouraged me to improve and, we bear the burden together, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You mentioned that the generally the culture there is accepting and, and friendly, perhaps yes. curious and, and willing to engage with you. And, you know, I suspect that they, mm-hmm. they can also sense your, your shyness and, and you're having to sort of uh, step out and stick your neck out a little bit and, and maybe try mm-hmm. to speak and, and stumble. And there's, there's joint laughter and there's fun. Have you ever felt prejudice or have you ever felt uh, a negativity, whether because of your citizenship or because of your ethnicity um, while living there? Your, your insight's really good. That's exactly, I mean, we definitely have really interesting conversations, but I don't, I wouldn't say that they, there's any prejudice because in China, not many people really tell you what they really think. (laughs) 
everything's very everyone's very polite here and I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I feel comfortable I guess in smaller crowds because very few people are the loud ones <laughs> so not many stick their necks out but um I personally have not had an uncomfortable situation I think that I truly am blessed um and privileged as well because um Given there is prejudice but it's not for me and because of that then the friendship I think has been what has sustained you because I suspect um I know when we moved here and then as I look at the the future of my own children moving away and and establishing a life for themselves um, that that takes a lot of bravery and there's a lot of sadness. There's a great distance dealing with time zones yeah. and when people are asleep, when you'd rather be chatting to them back, you know, where you grew up and, and then waiting until they're up or they know that you're about to go to bed and you're trying to catch those precious hours in between, you know, that must yeah. have been very hard um, initially to make that, that shift uh, to China, to Chinese life. Um, to, to uh, you know, your teaching being largely virtual. Um, describe just some of those those things for you and how you mm -hmm. were able to, to get through yeah. that. Right. Well, I think um, when I first moved to Beijing, I was so excited to be here and and start my new life as a new bride. And so I think I'm the opposite <laughs> when I first came here getting adjusted um with distance from the family was easier than anticipated um however as i have been here longer and i see my family's growing up and my sister's married with a couple kids now and my brother's also married and my other brother's <laughs> getting married so uh, everyone i know is growing up and my grandparents are getting older and it's honestly it's getting quite difficult now to be so far away from them especially with the unknown about covid and everything just making it more complicated to see them um that is something that I think is getting harder as the longer I stay here, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And, and, mm. and I, we relate to that as well because I've got relatives yes. growing up and I've got family in other places. You know, I haven't seen my brother personally in almost three years um, because of the, the work he does and where he lives. And, right. and so those are, I think some of the sacrifices that we make when we find ourselves uh, serving God uh, on you know, foreign soil, soil, so to speak, uh, a mm. place that's not native to us. And those are some of the sacrifices that we bear under that we um, have to to offer up to him as our gift and know that, you know, he's with us. I, I think we also live in such a privileged time where technology and the fact that you and I are chatting very easily, very cleanly, um, you know, it doesn't sound like you're on Mars and I'm on, you know, Jupiter. Um, the technology, <laughs> the age in which we live, you know, obviously makes this so easy. And I think it actually helps that separation. It helps that, that loneliness and those, those feelings of homesickness, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's really right. There's good days and there's bad days, <laughs> but even on the bad days, you can just give a text or a voice message or a photo, just anything. It's so easy. And that's really it's enough for now. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Leo, um, what is obviously you mentioned that he had such ability with translation work, but um, how does he occupy himself there in China? Well, um, he's not a professional translator. Um, he works in a government company, actually. So, so the government company that he works with has two branches. One is in the military, <laughs> and the other branch is for normal citizens. Um, and so he works in the second branch. And um, so he is at the point where actually he is unable to get a promotion because he's married to a foreigner. <laughs> and that's what, yeah, so he's probably gonna work with a couple colleagues of his that are branching out to do some some other business. So he's probably gonna have to find a new new job <laughs> one of these days. And, and that's definitely something the listener and I can be uh, remembering and praying for, certainly, that that will become clearer in time and um, that he'll have real wisdom uh, as to you know, what that looks like and, and where he will be. Where do you guys find comfort spiritually, um, particularly in a land that f for the most part uh, lives their lives without it, at least on the surface? Um, you know, that's a conversation for another time. But how are you refreshed in your faith and in your walk there? You mentioned a gathering. You, can you expand on that? When I first came here, we got married at a local gathering and they were so supportive and really they were the first friends I made here and they helped me with the most basic language uh, lessons, I guess, in, in Chinese. And we had a great, great summer and um, we were involved with some really cool, some groups came and visited and some American groups came and visited and some music tours and things like that. So the local gathering is usually in like a, a big flat that they rent out and um, they're allowed. So there's three different types of gatherings in China. The first type is, I guess, the ones that people are most familiar with are like the underground type. And then there's a type where that's the one I went to is they are in communication with the local precincts, the local governors. Our leader is very closely watched, but everything that he does is approved by the government. And so they're allowed to meet together. The third type of gathering in China is much more strict and that's more like the international, larger type of gatherings. And those gatherings are highly governed, I guess, by local leaders. And even even the messages are filtered through to accept uh, the, the type of vocabulary that the government is looking for. So um, those, this is not really answering your question, but it kind of does. <laughs> So your original question was, how do we become refreshed in spiritually? Actually, this... let me just ask real quick, maybe what does it look like and sound like? Um, and how would that be different maybe than how you grew up? If it's on a different time of day or a different type of day of the week. Um, you know, is it an, more informal? Is it more guarded? You know, share what you can about, uh -huh. about what it looks like and feels like on a weekly basis. Maybe that'll help. Okay. There's not much um, guardedness 
when, at least this is before COVID, uh, we were allowed to enter pretty much any day of the week because uh, the place is rented out and um, it's expensive. It's so expensive. Um, but it's open to the public and um, anybody can walk in. I mean, it's not, there's no sign outside, but um, but inside it's decorated just like any gathering would be in America. And um, ours is quite large. It's It can seat about, I would say, over a hundred. Um, now, because of COVID, every gathering I know of is closed and uh, they don't, the government isn't allowing our type of gathering to meet uh, legally. So we have an online platform that we have groups on our WeChat, which is a social media that we use. And um, that's how we can log in to the, the meeting. But the content is um, not a problem. Our, our leader is able to pretty much say anything without worrying about too much repercussions. Sure, sure. I think for our listeners who have even a fleeting knowledge of, of life and the, the body life there in China will understand certainly not only what you're saying, but around the edges as well. It's obviously from, particularly from those living in other places, um, there has been real encouragement um, in, in terms of those who are at gatherings, those who are hearing, responding, those who are growing, um, even those who now see a challenge in them taking that news to other places, th there is certainly a lot of wonderful things going on um, in the land of China. Absolutely. It is. Everyone here is so open. Most of my colleagues know that I'm a believer and some of them ask. <laughs> um, so it's so amazing. And um, I've been able to share the good news to pretty much anybody who was willing to listen. Even sometimes it was even during a lunch break, but um, they're not, they're not gonna get offended or anything. And I'm not the type of person to bash it over their head, so to speak, but um, they're definitely, they're, they're open. And the people are really, I have one friend in particular, and she has not, she's not fully come to that knowledge yet. But she's so close, and a lot of people I know are just willing to listen, and I think that's that's more than half the battle. I think that is really the essence of this podcast and the and the title of this podcast that is what on earth is going on for heaven's sake, and you know another way of saying that is what on earth are you able to do for heaven's sake, and your circle of influence there and the folks whose lives are being influenced by the salt and light that you bear, um, only eternity will really reveal um, what you've been able to do, you and your husband both, and, and others of like, of like precious faith, um, who are taking mm -hmm. the time to plant those seeds in the hearts of many, many people who are searching. Um, I, I think that's a, a, one of the most exciting things. And really, to bring this full circle, is now you are something of an online presence uh, you have been able to do videos, people watch, talk, talk us through where that has taken you and how much fun. I, I know I see some of your Instagram posts and I see some of the social media things and it looks like you're having a blast. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm doing some some random short videos on the side. It's not. I mean, I'm not getting any money from it or anything. This is not my job, but it is so much fun. I just make some short videos, usually with some content to uh, educate on some level. And I'm trying to make it more interesting. And um, I'm using some social platforms like Douyin, which is the Chinese form of TikTok. And I'm posting some videos and I'm, I'm making these videos with a group. So... My husband's involved, his two friends are involved, and um, so we're editing, We're and he's a professional movie editor too, so he makes some documentaries here. It's so interesting because they are Muslim, they're from a Muslim family, so we've had a lot of really good chances to talk with them, and um, it's really fascinating. You're using the power of social media, the platform of social media, the popularity of social media to build bridges, to build relationships, to build trust and friendship and openness. And all of those things hopefully then will allow you um, that inroads to to bringing some of the greatest news um, of all. And you know, using the visual medium, using the online teaching medium. Um, you know, in conclusion, I just want to say, what is it in the future for you? Where, where do you feel like the two of you are headed in, in the coming days and months and what are some of the things that we can remember you for in that regard, those who are listening and those who have taken interest in your story? Wow, that's such a complicated question for the end. <laughs> There's a lot of parts to that. Um, but I think, right, most of the things are like, um, I'm really glad to be able to be on this podcast. And, and I think we only mentioned half of the questions <laughs> that we filled out. So. Um, what I would like to be remembered by is just if if anyone's listening and they would like to support or just I would say um, how do I say this this because that was a big question, Doctor well, Goldson. Well, okay, well let's <laughs> let's take it in parts. What is on the horizon for you two in the next few weeks okay. and months that that we can be remembering you for? Well, that's a big question too because actually we're we're in the process of moving back to the, the to the states. I am applying for my master's degree at a Florida college and so I will be taking online classes and um some of the classes are online, some of them are going to be at the university. So uh we're moving back to Florida and my husband has a potential job opportunity in Brazil. And so he will be going to Brazil and he'll know by the end of the summer if he's going to be there long term. My master's degree should take about two years. And uh, at this point, I'm not going to go for my doctorate, but who knows, I might. <laughs> With that degree, I'll be able to pursue what I really love doing, which is which is um, technology design. So I want to help schools or institutions bring their classes online or use technology in a supportive way to increase the student's motivation and their learning. So that's what I can do after I get my degree. Whether it's in America or China, 
we're not sure what's after two years. We're just taking this a couple months at a time, but we do have a long-term plan. Mm. That's a fantastic answer to the question is to just say in the short term. um, And I think, I think you've brought up something that then really poses an obvious point for us. And that is to pray because it sounds like there will be some time of separation for the two of you. He's going to be working elsewhere. You're going to be studying um, and that's certainly something certainly that we can we can pray over. Many couples have found themselves in similar circumstances with uh, either study or with expat living, and so that's a biggie. And then ultimately to just ask that you be shown um, step by step, faithfully, day by day, um, and the uh, when you earn that degree, then where you are to rightly apply it, and whether that's back in Beijing, uh, back in China, or, or elsewhere. Um, that is certainly something that we can that we can be reminding you of, and and then ultimately, I think just for um, to be salt and light, to be a, an ambassador for him, to be um, a, a wonderful living testimony, example of grace, and um, and of uh, forgiveness and and of redemption um, f- for all the days that that are, remain for you guys there and with your friends and. And with your teach, with your students, your learners, your online learners in the company, um, I wanted to say for our listeners that I've shared precious times with you and with others on trips. Uh, when we were um, in our time together at Clearwater, we were able to travel uh, internationally, and I got to watch a young lady with great flexibility and adaptability to hard things and uh, to creative and unusual circumstances to. Um, doing without, and and you are always so very cheerful and ready to charge in. That's going to be one of my uh, forever memories of you is someone who had grit and and a smile and just carried on, and I think God has given you a a, a marvelous set of tools um, to serve him well in in unusual and and creative methodologies, and I'm I'm really excited about that. Um, I would ask if if you're able or willing to close us just in a word of thankfulness and a word of, of petition and, and, uh, and gratitude to um, our God for, for you and for your husband and the work there. And, and that'll be the conclusion to our podcast today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for always being here, being there for accepting us and for faithfully welcoming us to your presence. We praise you for who you are. and. We humbly ask you to listen to us as we call on your name right now. We ask you to give us the wisdom we need as we live for you every day. We ask you to give us wisdom as we get up in the morning, wisdom as we start our day, wisdom as we as we talk with our neighbors. We ask you to give us humility and patience, thinking of Jesus first before we respond with our our default response. Um, When we falter, uh, when we forget who we as your children should respond in love, forgive us for when we respond with impatience, forgive us when we respond with judgment, Uh, Forgive us when we hear the word, but don't listen to it. Mm. When we believe in your son, but don't act like him. 
forgive us, Father, and help us so we can rely on you. Um, we really rely on you when we're out here in this wicked and broken world and in your parable about the seeds and the sower, you told us that the enemy grew weeds in the field in secret. So now the weeds were growing up alongside your children. Help us as we're surrounded by evil on all sides. We're surrounded both physically in front of our eyes when we see, you know, the brokenness around us and in our nation right now, there's so much turmoil and we're surrounded spiritually with spiritual forces battling for the weakest among us and for the strongest among us, which only you and your sovereignty can know about. So please protect us, Lord, and bless us and help us to grow stronger in you and help us understand the word you tell us and allow it to grow deep into our hearts as we work with our hands in this world. And uh, we know that our time on this world is fast and our physical bodies are quickly aging faster than we would like, some faster than others, but they're aging. So please help us. Please help us prepare for our eternal home while we still have time left here. Your son tells us he is preparing a home for us and we thank you and praise you for this encouragement. And we look forward to our final home where we can celebrate you and your love together with our loved ones for eternity. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas and even future interview subjects about this podcast. If you want to reach out or reach out to those that you heard today, drop me a note at phil.golson at gmail.com. We have a U.S.-based nonprofit called Grace Garden Root Arts Communication and Education set up for donations of financial gifts or items like instruments, uniforms, or even computer equipment for our lab that's administered by Kristen. For more information on Grace, go to www.thewordgrace, followed by K-N-Y-S-N-A.org. It's www.gracenisna.org. Also, if you want to read about our team here and the missions model that we use for church planting, discipleship, seminary training, redemptive relationship building through life skills, education, and counseling, go to www.nisnahope.org. That's K-N-Y-S-N-A, hope.org. And that's for more information. What on earth are you doing, for heaven's sake? We'll see you next time.